exurga deus dissipentur inimici eius, et fugiancio derundeum afacia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defendenos in proelio, contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli as opraecidium. Imperatili Deus supplicas de precamur, tuque princeps militae caelestis, satanam aliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute in infernum netrude. Amen. Cor Jesus sacratissimum miserere nobis, Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatus Caroluse Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facium tuum et salvierimus. Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. By now it would be reasonable for me to assume that most of you have heard that the Department of Justice has created a domestic terrorism task force. This is basically the creation of the Gestapo, a new secret police. By utilizing the anti-terrorism tools that were created with the Patriot Act, extra-legally, mind you, this is outside the realm of law. They happen to be making things up as they go along, and that's fairly par for the course for people who are grasping at the last threads of power and may actually be able to stack the deck in such a way that even a president with a 30-some-odd percent approval rating, I believe it's actually down literally to one-third of the population approve, to be able to maintain power ad infinitum. And for those of you who think that it's not possible, I'm simply going to point out that the the Democratic governors in the states like California and New York have managed to sustain control of their respective governments despite having ridiculously low approval ratings because they've managed to tip the deck enough such that the vast majority of their populations, despite absolutely abhorring the governors in question, will simply not countenance voting for anyone else out of fear. Which is not terribly surprising, because the more that you find yourself subject to the whims of the flesh and to the whims of the world, the more you fear losing that which it is that you have the very meager bits that you still have. So for those of you who are anticipating a Republican sweep in November of this year, don't count on it. For those of you who are in into the midterms and all of that, for everyone who's actually paying attention, I can tell you that if you do nothing, And I rarely endorse campaigning and voting because I do believe that this entire system is, in fact, a farce. But the worst thing that you can do, and honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is my analysis. The worst thing that you can do is assume that you you can't do anything or that you shouldn't do anything. What actually needs to happen is more and more people need to see that it is not possible for these people to have won legitimately, which means that you have to tip the scales as much as possible. You have to get out there and campaign. You have to get out there and find the candidates that are worth supporting, and you must support them. And if it requires some half measures, 
or people who are only willing to take half measures, I should say, such as, um, well, the GOP. You still need to do something. You have to rattle the sabers and show that these people are immensely unpopular. You have to force them to push so hard to try and keep the deck stacked against losing that it becomes obvious for anyone to see. And for those jurisdictions that are still actually, you know, somewhat American conservative, as it were, you need to start playing a little bit more dirty. Do like they did in Virginia and hold off showing your hand. Everybody knows that the Republican districts are going to get their are going to get their ballots counted faster. Why? Because Republicans care about the process. But just because you have the ballots counted does not mean that you need to report them until the last possible minute, which is pretty much the only way that you're going to have a chance to win. And you may still not, and you may win, or you may still not win. You may still lose. But you have to make it obvious that they're going out of their way to stack the deck. You have to make it visible. Because more people need to wake up. I have to be honest with you, I'm actually kind of getting tired of the stories that are coming out now, almost a year and a half after the election, that are beginning to prove that the election was tampered with in 2020. Those stories have to come out sooner. They have to come out louder. They have to come out quicker. Because if they don't, we're going to lose everything. After the 2020 election, which I got to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't think they were going to be able to pull it off that beautifully. It was a magnificent piece of subversion and sedition. Perfectly executed in every way. And as I understand it, most of the regulations that were put in place have not been rescinded in even those battleground states. Which means you're going to have to do the fighting in order to get all that crap rescinded. they're going to scream and they're going to cry and they're going to call you racist and bigot and homophobe and all of and fascist and every name in the book. And you have to be ready for that. Now, many of you listening, actually, truth be told, many of you listening are actually going to be watching the midterm elections with, you know, probably the same amount of attentiveness as most Americans do, because midterm elections are not where the money is, except that that's going to be different this year. You see, the people who have been trying to tip the scales have figured out that they needed to go local. But the first phase was actually getting all of their crazy DAs elected and putting into and putting into place the people who can put in some of the most ridiculous policies when it comes to the enforcement of law possible. And it's counterbalanced by the fact that there are, you know, at least you know, a couple hundred judges that are at least, you know, somewhat decent. But neither the left nor the right in the establishment want to have this thing upended. And the right doesn't care. They simply don't want to be blamed for having done all of the things that they're doing on the left. And that is a fact. Ronnie McDaniels, the chairman of the RNC, has come out publicizing what Kevin McCarthy has been talking about as being the four pillars of what the GOP is planning on fighting for. And conspicuously absent was the promotion of the family, 
conspicuously absent was the cleaning up of elections. Conspicuously absent was the battle against critical race theory and all of that wokest garbage. Conspicuously absent was any accountability for big tech, big pharma, big business. None of that was spoken of. None of it. Nothing about Section 230, nothing about reformation of the media, nothing nothing about any of that. Why? Because they don't care. If it's not Chip Roy or Marjorie Taylor Greene or a half a dozen other people, they don't really care. They don't fully comprehend. Yes, there are some of them who think that Dr. Fauci and everything that the CDC and the medical establishment has done is crazy. But strangely enough, that was also conspicuously absent from the four pillars that the GOP is running on. Which means that the establishment candidates are not your friends. Which means that nothing is going to change. Nothing. But if the scales aren't tipped at least enough for the powers that be to really, really reconsider the psychosis that they're trying to perpetrate on the country. then they're just going to keep going. They're going to find another way to pass the other half of the Build Back Better program. And if they can manage to pass that other half, this country, the nation that is called the United States of America, is done. It's over. And it will be over by 2024 because they already stacked one national election and if you honestly believe that they can't stack another one you're out of your mind it's that simple and in point of fact it does not actually matter if donald trump runs again i'm reasonably certain. I'm not even cautiously pessimistic in this particular case. I'm just simply pessimistic. The country's dead. The land of the free is dead. In the last two years, based on the very meager estimates that they ever allow out, because they only ever talk about short segments, small portions, where a million here, a million there. Well, after adding all of those numbers up, if my estimate is correct, then we've actually picked up another 30 million people. Or I should say we will have by 2024, by the November election. The Census Bureau just came out and said that for the first time in American history, the racial demographic that the department that uh, <laughs> that the Interior Department calls white is now the minority. I need to digress for just a moment. For all of you people who consider yourselves white, according to what the Census Bureau categorizes you as, I don't understand why you don't consider it to be one of the most racist things that they could ever come up with. Because you're not white, you're German, or you're British, or you're Irish, or you're French, or you're Polish, or you're Russian, or you're Italian. Or you're Greek. 
oh, but it's a melting pot into something that's sort of generally congealed into whiteness. And because you've let them do that to you, without holding without holding on to your national identities, and to be sure, many people are very much a mix. There are people who are Irish and German, British and French, Spanish and Greek. We are largely melted, molded together. But you're not white. You were never white. It's not just about the color of your skin. It's about your national identity. It's about the culture that you that your families brought to the nation. So whether it's a kilt or lederhosen, it's still important. <clears throat> and if you would prefer to be considered white, Anglo-Saxon Protestant, well, so be it. But know that even that sort of non-culture is dying. And ask yourself the very next question. If it becomes absolutely untenable to remain in the United States, if from Maine to San Diego and Seattle to Miami, the whole nation is driven down into poverty like Venezuela, where exactly would you flee to? To where would you become the migrant? In what nation would you be able to live your life, raise your children, and prosper like what you had up until about a dozen years ago in the United States of America? Would you go to Russia or Poland? Would you go to France or Germany or Austria? Where would you go? Would you flee to Canada or Australia? I mean, where, pray tell, is it actually better? The sad answer to that is nowhere. So when they're finished, and to be sure they will eventually be done and they won't be able to rise it, raise it back up, because eventually these people are going to die. Joe Biden is almost dead. Nancy Pelosi is almost dead. Mitch McConnell is almost dead. Oh, they seem vibrant and alive. To, well, I mean, to, you know, varying degrees. But the entire generation, that is the boomers, are almost dead. And they've managed to lead us down a path of destruction that has been unknown In history. You see, even during the Hundred Years' War between Britain and, and France, people didn't suffer the way they're getting ready to suffer here in the next few years. And that's kind of important to know. There's no point in the Middle Ages where pe when people went through what Venezuela is going through now. That was never a thing. There was never a point in the Middle Ages when people went through what Cuba went through or what the Soviet Union went through. It's never been a thing. Lest we forget that during the Middle Ages, people donated from their own. Impoverished and wealthy alike. Landowners and serfs alike to the construction of magnificent buildings such as the cathedral in Chartres or Paris. It was Middle Ages people that constructed some of the most magnificent structures 
that we still marvel at today. And to be sure, you go to someplace like New York or Tokyo, and you see the skyscrapers, and if you've never seen a skyscraper, it is something to marvel at. But I would take the beauty of Chart over the Empire State Building, or the Chrysler Building, or the Freedom Tower. Without a doubt, I would take Glastonbury Cathedral. Even the ruins of cathedrals over some of the stuff that's been created in recent history. But soon that's not going to be an option. Soon it's going to be dumpster diving for most of us. Soon it's going to be black markets and trying to stay away from the secret police. They're going to try and get the guns. And that's really the only thing that they need to collect from the United States of America before it's over. They're going to try and find a way to strip the guns from everyone who owns them. And from what I understand, we've now actually peaked well beyond 400 million firearms owned in America by members of both the left and the right. So it's going to be quite an interesting fight. But at some point, and I don't like saying it, but at some point it is going to get violent. At some point, it's going to have to get violent. These people don't want you raising your own children. These people don't want you holding an idea that's not theirs. Isn't it interesting that in the aftermath of the Oklahoma City bombing, there was no anti-domestic terrorism task force? Why is that? A simple answer is because in this country it's never been necessary. Because in a country founded on sedition, it's very difficult to, with a straight face, actually write laws about sedition. And these people are about to do it. Oh, they're going to skip the the legislation aspect of it unless they take the House. And if they can tip the scales and get better control of the House and tip the scales and get control of the Senate. And oh, hey, by the way. From a strategic standpoint, it's not nearly as difficult to stack the deck in the House and the Senate. It's not nearly like dumping hundreds of thousands of dollars into every election for every district attorney in every major city. There's only a few hundred of these. And these people have trillions of dollars at their disposal. If they want to get it done, they will get it done. It's that simple. And if they do get it done, it's over. So while we have to fight, we also have to prepare. Because I don't think that God's going to draw back the curtain in 2024, but he might give up, give the United States of America its final curtain call. Venezuela drifted along kind of weirdly under the same slow plan. And then within three years, it was dust. We have been drifting along for more than a decade. And within three years, we can be dust. They finished stacking the deck. And they, re- and they regained sufficient control. This upcoming election. 
then they will finish the job by 2024. And it'll be over. And there will be no other recourse but violence. Because the people who are rising to power, the people who are in power right now, you have to remember that while Nancy Pelosi is soon to die and Joe Biden is soon to die, Mark Zuckerberg isn't. Jeff Bezos isn't. Many like them aren't. They are actually right there, ready to step up. The people who run BlackRock, all of the, all of the upper echelons in the banks that make up the Federal Reserve, they are not as old and as broken and as ready to die as George Soros or Joe Biden. They're not. They're not as old and crusty as Klaus Schwab. But you're a fool if you think that with the death of all of these, all of these people who have been vanguarding, that suddenly it's going to end. They have the next generation right behind them. They still have the Buttigieg's and the Kamala Harris's. They still have the AOC's. And eventually AOC will lose her soul. Well, I say lose her soul. Obviously, from a Catholic perspective, that's already gone. But she'll lose her principles too. She's already shown herself to barely have any. She can be bought. And she will be. Even the most virulent ideologues, like most of the rest of the squad, the fact remains is, they, is once they get themselves within, within reaching distance of the levers of power, they will grab a hold of them. And they will destroy you. Even though they don't know you. In fact, because they don't know you. So what do you do in the face of a government that has just recently established its own secret police? And it's not to say that there weren't already many levels of it. But there's a new level. They're trying to take advantage of the fact that most of us are not falling for it. But at some point, we have to, to spring the trap. As a nation... For the reestablishment of Christendom, martyrdom is required. White martyrdom, red martyrdom. Allowing ourselves to be subjected to persecution is necessary for the reestablishment of Christendom. But a nation that was founded in blood, such as ours was, It's going to require a completely different deal. And you're going to have to balance somewhere in there Christendom and the survival of Western ideas. Because they're now Getting illegal immigrants from Mauritania, from Uzbekistan, from the world over. And the idea is, it's to, is to make sure that as many others as they can get into this country are here so they can close the door. And the ones I feel the worst for are the ones who actually escaped from Soviet communism, from Venezuela, from Cuba. The ones who've been struggling against because they've been looking at this whole thing and they're saying, you have to resist socialism. 
except that the Great Reset's not socialism. And because the Great Reset's not socialism, you can't use all of the same old talking points. And I can't tell you how much I'm really getting tired of them saying fascism. But that's okay. I suppose I can surrender the word fascism because, well, A, I'm an advocate for Christendom, which is, Chris, which is Christian monarchy, and B, failing Christendom, I'm a supporter of the Christian corporate state, which up until very recently was fascism. But if they're going to continue to claim that word and continue to swing it around, then cool, whatever, they can have it. Because what they keep calling fascism is not fascism. It's not about the service to the state. Mussolini and Franco would not have been as popular as they were if it was about service to the state. Mussolini and Franco did not rule with one part with one part glory and one part fear. That wasn't the way they did. Mussolini and Franco didn't have concentration camps. They didn't have death camps. They didn't have that. And the one thing that the thing that actually aggravates me the most about it is the people who are like, oh, it's like Mussolini. Wrong. When the Nazis had death camps, the Italians had an underground railroad. And I don't know why that one single fact is so hard for them to wrap their tiny little wasp brains around. We may never regain Catholic governance. And I got to be perfectly honest with you. That such is life. We're certainly not going to regain Catholic governance in our lifetimes. Because Christendom wasn't born in a day. Our Lord wasn't resurrected. And then in Anno Domini 34, Christendom reigned. It wouldn't be until 320. 280, 290 years later before Christianity was the official state religion of the Roman Empire. And then it wouldn't be another 500 years before Christendom was really recognized as Christendom. And for that matter, it didn't even collapse. It's not like Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses and then the next day, boom, Christendom's gone. They didn't finally finish exterminating Christendom until 400 years later. 400 years later. And even then, it still took another 100 years for them to completely unseat Christian ethics from government. So 500 years to completely tear apart, to completely tear down the Christian ethic in governance. We're not just going to turn around and get it back. It's going to take a couple hundred years, minimum, if we even have a couple hundred years. So everybody who thinks, and this is actually the number one problem with the American with the American system, is that we think in four-year increments. We don't think in 40-year increments. And we don't think in 400-year increments. And 400-year increments is much closer. Much, much closer. To the line of sight that we should have. Western civilization is going to end. 
That's happening. It's done, actually. Even for all of his efforts, Vladimir Putin's not going to be able to stop it. Poland is not going to be able to stop it. Hungary is not going to be able to stop it. And Hungary is not going to be able to stop it because Austria, their next freaking door neighbor, doesn't want anything to do with it. Germany, Poland's next freaking door neighbor, doesn't want anything to do with it. And even in Ukraine and Russia and Kazakhstan and most of the world, nobody really wants anything to do with it. Think about this. How many Catholics have you spoken to and they're terrified of the idea that the one holy Catholic and apostolic church would reclaim her place on the throne as the guiding light for civilization? What do they all say? What do, seriously, what do most of them talk about? They talk about the Spanish Inquisition. They talk, they talk about colonialism. They talk about all of the supposed sins that took place under Catholic rule, forgetting that before Catholic rule, people were wont to butcher their own children, slaughter tens of thousands of people. Why? For food. For food for demons. that even the most noble of civilizations still regarded suicide as a form of retaining honor. And I say that knowing that I'm in fully in love with the Japanese civilization, particular, particularly during, during the uh, Sengoku Jedi, the Warring States period. The, 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 Japanese, the medieval Japan concept of chivalry is still magnificent to behold. But it is a far cry from anything else when your first thought to save face is to stick a knife in your own intestines and disembowel yourself and then have somebody cut your head off. How many souls were lost just to that? And that's actually the point. You look at the Muslim world. The Muslim world is horrifying. Yes, there are some principles there. Some things that are most definitely healthy for a society while still being damnable. You look at the fall of Muammar Gaddafi and what is that and what immediately popped back up in Libya? Mind you, not a Christian country. Today, in Tripoli, the African slave trade is back up and running. If anybody had any sense, they would broadcast this to the high heavens so that, so that Americans who find slavery so horrifying can actually look and see that it was the actions of the United States government that brought that barbaric practice back. Who spoke out against it first? Oh yeah, that's right. Holy Mother Church in the 16th century. Nearly a full 100 years before the New York Times' little stupid, fallacious 1619 project. Who spoke out against slave trade early? Holy Mother Church. Mind you, Holy Mother Church spoke out against the slave trade at the same time that the Spanish Inquisition was going on. How many people did the Spanish Inquisition kill? Pray tell. Does anybody know? 3,250 years. The number actually came out to about 12 people a year, on average. Ask yourself how many how many people did how many people died in the BLM riots just last year alone? Three thousand people in two hundred and fifty years. How many people died in Mao's revolution? Oh yeah, that's right. It was fifty million. 
50 million. How many people died in the Holodomor in Ukraine? 25,000 people per day. In the Holodomor, more people died per day. So many more people. Actually, well, let's see, 3,000 people in 250 years. I mean, that's almost tenfold more per day versus what the Spanish Inquisition did in 300, in 250, 300 years. Queen Elizabeth the first martyred 750 Catholics that we know of. Her sister, Mary, I think it was her sister. Either way, Elizabeth and Mary, good Queen Bess and Bloody Mary. Well, Bloody Mary only actually killed 250 Protestants. A third of good Queen Bess. It's not the Catholics who are bloody-minded. It's never been the Catholics who are bloody-minded. One of my best friends likes to talk about how Junipero Serra was brutal with the Native Americans under his charge. Forgetting that the exact things that Junipero Serra did in order to discipline their in order to discipline the children under his charge were still legal in the United States of America until 1985 to be done to children. Until 1985. Interesting. Oh, well, he beat them. So what? The Canadian and, and U, the Canadian and U.S. governments did far worse to the people who were native to continental North America. The Spanish never had a trail of tears. The French colonials never had a trail of tears. Yeah, there was some fighting. But there's not a trail of tears in Spanish history in the Americas. And there's not a trail of tears in French history in the Americas. Not in Quebec, not in Louisiana. Not, on, not in Spanish Florida. Who did have a trail of tears? Oh, yeah, that's right. The Freemasonic governments. The non-Catholic governments. The non-Catholic governments have the trail of tears, the Holocaust, the Holodomor, the, uh, let's see, Maoist Revolution. And the further away you actually, and I mean, and to be sure, the trail of tears is by far the least damaging because the trail of tears i don't think killed nearly as many people in such a high concentration as the holocaust definitely didn't kill as many people as the holodomor certainly not in that kind certainly not to the two to twenty five thousand a day and definitely didn't kill as many people as mao's revolution or pol pot or even che guevara All the little milk toast, lukewarm, tepid. You know, I'm not even going to use lukewarm. We're going to use tepid. Tepid sounds worse. It's the same thing, but it's, it sounds worse. All of the tepid Catholics need to get off their duff and read a history book and put it together and realize why 
Why is Hitler so well documented as being evil, but Mussolini is just evil by association? Why is there nothing about the Spanish colonies having a trail of tears or anything of the like? Or the French colonies having a trail of tears or anything of the like? But the westward expansion of the United States of America most certainly does. How is it that nobody knows the actual body count? I mean... Let's really put this in perspective. The Spanish Inquisition went on. Went on. I mean, it what didn't actually come to its final conclusion until about 1963. The Spanish Inquisition was initiated in like 1530, 1540, at the, at, at the accomplishment of the Reconquista. Had three to four hundred years. Three to four hundred years. Killed 3,000 people. How many people died again in September 11th? And whether you think it was Muslim terrorism or it was an inside job, you know who didn't do it? The Catholic Church. No Catholic nation, no Catholic state, no Catholic government had anything to do with September 11th. And that was 3,000 people in a day. Oh, it's different. We had better technology. Okay. How many people died? with the deployment of Agent Orange. How many people died in the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Hmm? The only, the closest you get to Catholics committing atrocities is the First World War, when everybody dropped the faith for one big shebang. And I say everybody dropped the faith for one big shebang because what was going on in the First World War? Portugal wasn't run by a Catholics. It was a Freemasonic and Communist government in Portugal in the First World War. I mean, Kaiser Wilhelm was kind of Catholic. There were certainly Catholics involved. But there were no Catholic nations left at the end. No Catholic governments. Those were pretty much all gone by the end. Franco and Mussolini would not have had to stand up had Catholicism stood at the end of the First World War. And Catholicism was basically wiped off the planet because at the same time that the First World War was going on, you had the Cristeros in Mexico, the communists take over in Mexico, cent- uh, Central and South America, pretty much all the way all the way across the planet. So that by the close, by the close of the Second World War, the only people who were Catholic were Catholic in name only. A remnant scattered across the Protestant, communist, and Freemasonic world. Why do I give you this this history lesson? Why do I spend so much time talking about it? Because we need to get real. The hope for the future is the one true faith. And don't get me wrong, I don't actually have anything particularly against Protestants aside from, well, their vitriol for the Blessed Mother, which they're going to pay for on their own. <clears throat> For their iconoclasm, because apparently they completely for, apparently they completely forgot world history. Whatever, there shouldn't be any it shouldn't be any images like that. Oh, really? You guys like to look back to antiquity. What did they do in Solomon's Temple? Hmm. Weird. The Ark of the Covenant had sacred imagery. Weird. Weird how you how you'd completely forget that. But whatevs. 
I don't have anything directly against Protestants. But you guys don't have the traditions. You did not hold to history. When they say, when, when, <laughs> when people like Ben Franklin come up with these little quick, quippy statements of, you know, those who don't learn their history are doomed to repeat it. They're talking about you. Most of you have completely abandoned the faith. Doesn't matter what denomination of Protestant that you are. Most of you have completely abandoned the faith. You don't know the history. You can't see the long game. How do I know? Because most Protestant families don't have eight kids. Most Protestant families cap out at about three or four. Assuming they even have three or four. Because lately, it's only been one. Oh, but we could pour all of our love into this one child and we can make sure that they're very well taken care of until you yourselves get old and then you don't have any children to take care of you. Amazing foresight. Beautiful. Well done. Congratulations. I say all of this to say this. We need to be focused on the long haul. These things are going to happen. The country is dead. It is dead. I saw a tweet earlier today saying, oh, the Biden administration has just collapsed. It's over. Really? Because we don't have an election for another nine months. You don't have a guarantee of winning enough to be able to dial any of this back. And the administration's not over until it's voted out in November of 24. And there's no guarantee that it will be voted out in November of 24. So do, do tell how they've completely collapsed. Their credibility is gone, to be sure. But these people still have all of the levers of power unless we can somehow manage to take them from him. And if you're Catholic, you shouldn't be worried about you shouldn't be worried about an election. Prepare for it, rally for it, do what you can because it is your duty. But be ready. Be ready for the long haul. And the long haul isn't even looking at your kids. It's not even looking at your children's children. If you're not looking three and four generations into the future with what you do now, you're going to fail. And many people are going to fail. Our faith is a historical faith. That means you need to learn it and you need to pass it on. You need to learn it and pass it on in pious practice and as many traditions as you can manage to stack in there with the purity of the 55 liturgy, the 62 liturgy. Doesn't have to all be the 55 or the 62 liturgy, but what you pass to your children had better have that level of truth, goodness, and beauty, or you are going to fail. You're going to fail your kids. You're going to fail your grandkids. You're going to fail your great grandkids. We're getting there. It is coming soon. And while there's nothing that you can do to change the big picture, if you're not focused on your own three feet of space ad infinitum on into the future, you're going to mess it up for your family. You're going to mess it up for your community. You're going to mess it up for your friends. 
And I say this knowing full well that all of that stuff that you you might try to do everything as perfectly as you can, you're not going to be held quite as accountable as you think. Because most of you are like me, struggling to catch up after a lifetime that should have been spent learning the faith, practicing the faith, and passing on the faith. Many of you are in my same position, trying to gather up as much as you can, to try and hand out as fast as you can to as many people as you can. But it starts with your kids and your grandkids. It starts with your nieces and your nephews, your sons and your daughters, your brothers and your sisters. For those of you who are in Gen Z, just just beginning to come of age now, kids, you better get married early and you better and you better start having children early and often. Because the only hope of carrying on anything resembling what you grew up with is going to come at the cost of great suffering. And it's going to die out. If you don't suffer now, financially, etc. And have as many kids as you can. And teach them the faith. You may not fully understand the faith. You may not fully have the faith. It doesn't. It doesn't take a whole lot. You'll find it if you you'll find it if you can successfully attend four consecutive traditional Latin masses. And they can be low masses. They don't even have to be the pontifical high mass. I love low masses. It's not to say I wouldn't absolutely, you know, I, it's not to say I don't go gaga over, over high masses, but low masses. Those are the times when I can be closest to him and I know that all of my attention can be on him. You won't find it anywhere else. I know there's something that there's probably some part of you that expected me to talk more about the Gestapo, but I mean, we all know what a Gestapo is. You want to see some of the crazy, just, you know, watch some Indiana Jones movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, and Last Crusade. It's really all you need. Maybe, maybe some Operation Valkyrie. Doesn't take a whole lot to get caught up on what's coming. And yeah, they're not going to, you know, they're not necessarily, I mean, they're not going to do like in France where they actually wear the black uniforms with red armbands. Real, I truly cannot believe they do that. I, I truly cannot believe that they actually do that in France, but they do. The black uniforms and the red armbands. <clears throat> they might do it like they do in the UK, it, it, you know, in, well, in the whole of the United Kingdom, Australia, Britain, etc., where, you know, they've got the reflective vests over the, you know, the black uniforms with the jackboots. In America, it's going to look different. Because our police look like military. Like legit military. So it's going to look different here. But to be sure, it's coming. You need to mentally prepare yourself more than anything. That's actually the important part. That's actually the core of this whole thing, is you need to mentally prepare yourself for things that you never, ever, ever dreamed were possible that are going to be absolutely horrifying. Because if you're mentally ready for them when they happen, even though they will still shock you, they'll still stun you, it'll be easier to move on. It'll be easier to push forward. And that's the most important part. We need to push forward. 
This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.